Hey guys, welcome to the Seller District's Boozy Breakdown. We're your host, Ryan and Caitlin, and today we're going to update you on the Seller District and then recap you on our Temecula Beer Adventure. Sounds good. So what's going on in the business? A few things, actually. With Temecula, we spend a lot of time playing around with uh, what our potential season two is going to look like, right? Yeah, so season two is going to take a shift from our normal like travel style adventure. Um, we were able to reach out to a couple people, including the owners, the uh, brewmakers, and I think it's going to be a lot different. It's going to be a much more engaging. We're going to include more people than just us. More information. More information, but not so much information to where I think it's going to bore you guys. Yeah. Because we've listened to a few podcasts or watched a few YouTube videos where they're kind of going so in depth on the information about the grapes and the yeasts <laughs> and the beer fermentation process. And that might be interesting to some, but. I think I end up walking away from it like halfway through, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> I think you'll finish it and I leave. No, I'll get like five minutes into it. I'm like, all right, this is too much information. <laughs> information go. overlord here. <laughs> So we want to keep relevant, fun information more so than like if you were a brewer and you mm -hmm. want to know specifics about how to brew a certain type of sour mm -hmm. um, and the type of barrel you would use and the exact temperatures. And we're not going to get into all that. That's mm -hmm. that's too much. But I think it would be cool to know a little bit about what's different between a sour. Oh, yeah. So we're kind of showing you a little of that. We're trying to blend the two. So stay tuned and let us know what you think for sure. Yeah. But it mostly season two. And really this past week for business has just been research and development, right? Yeah. Which means watching a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> watching a lot of YouTube videos, going to talk to more people. Mm -hmm. um, Trying to get more feedback. Yeah. That's about it. So let's talk about our last adventure, Temecula Ooh. Beer. We have to say beer because most people think Temecula, oh, you're going to do hot air ballooning. You're going to do wine tasting. But we kind of discovered a different side of Temecula that I don't think most people know about. No, and I, I think it's becoming more popular. And we were talking to Rob uh, about this. He's the actual owner of Inland Wharf, one of the breweries we went to. And it seems like it's becoming this weekend getaway thing. But from a couple standpoints, you know, the girls get to come up and do their wine tasting. And then, you know, the next day they kind of hit up some of the breweries. And as many breweries as they are, and is different and unique as each one of them is, I think it's going to quickly become almost like a beer San Diego, you know? Yeah. It's, I, I think they're on their way to being beer country right now. They're <laughs> known as wine country. It's could be beer country, but you got to think less than a hundred. There's about a hundred thousand, a little over a hundred thousand people who live in Temecula. Mm -hmm. There's three exits, 54 wineries now and 13 breweries. God. It's insane. And when we say 13 breweries in Temecula, that includes Marietta. Marietta and Temecula are almost the same. Yeah. And it's such a cities. small footprint that you can almost include it as one city unless you're buying real estate. Then, then it's there's crazy. it's totally different <laughs> if you live in Temecula than Marietta. Ew. But so true when it comes to drinking, I don't think it matters. I don't think so either, especially considering how close they are. But before we did the beers, we made a pit stop. As we normally do on our little travel adventures here. And we went to something that made you extremely happy. Oh, I went from being stuck in traffic and cranky to like the happiest person in the world. The minute we stepped off into the alpaca hacienda. <laughs> I did not realize how cute and just amazing alpacas are. Yeah, they all have like their own little personalities they and do. they all have their own little face thing going on. And, and 
overbite or underbites <laughs> and bow-legged and like just everything. They're characters. They're awesome though. So one of the alpaca was the, the one of the owners are husband and wife and the first alpaca they bought, they went to an alpaca show and I guess they do alpaca shows just like they do dog shows. So they went to this alpaca show and she saw this alpaca and she absolutely loved him and just fell in love immediately. So the husband went back and bought her that alpaca like early into the show. By the end of the show, the alpaca had one. So it's like this super photogenic, like very prim and proper alpaca. And I feel like it knows it because the pictures it allowed us to take were some of the best pictures we've ever taken in our lives. Like the best. Yeah, he was a good looking alpaca. He was. And he was in the shadow with the light perfectly. I'm telling you, it was so nice. We yeah. felt like real photographers for a second there with that alpaca. Yeah. And then they had a baby born that morning. They did. So we get there and it seems a little I would say chaotic when we first got there, which I wasn't expecting because it is a gate. It's actually someone's home and they just bought a bunch of property. They have a home on the property and then they have a bunch of land really for the alpacas and they have them separated by male and female. They do some boarding. They own some. And I think that's it. I can't, I don't think they're, they don't think they really do breeding necessarily, but no, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. So when we get there, we notice it's, you know, they kind of open the doors like right at the same time or right at the last minute and we go in and then we realize at five o'clock that morning and mind you, our appointment was at, was it 10 or 11? I think it was, I think it was 11. And maybe, or, yeah, maybe. But either way, the baby was born at five that morning. So in the morning, while they're trying to get ready to host all these people coming in and saying hi to alpacas, there's a little baby born that they're kind of working through. And it was the cutest little thing. But what's crazy to me is that they just pop out and start standing and roaming around and just living its life. Yeah. And it didn't even look like a baby. It looked what I would think is like maybe a young, you know, just yeah. a young alpaca. Mm -hmm. It was pretty big. Yeah. And then again, Sucks for the poor mom. just walking around like he's been doing it for a few weeks. I know. But he was a cute little guy. He was. He has a little coat on. Oh, it made me so happy. But yes, that whole experience. And then we left with an alpaca. Nope. You got yourself uh, Sergio. I did. I picked up Sergio. So I wanted a real alpaca, but sadly we didn't have room for that. But they had this little shop with alpaca uh, fur, which you don't like hurt the alpacas to get their fur. You just shave them. Uh, they have this alpaca fur pillows, all kinds of things. But they have these little alpacas, they're little baby alpacas made with alpaca fur. And it's the softest, cutest thing ever. And then we learned about the different kinds of alpacas. I can tell you the difference between an alpaca and a llama now. Mm -hmm. And then there's two prior. different types of alpacas. Mm -hmm. One with like dreads and then mm -hmm. one with poofy hair. Mm -hmm. And the dreads are, it's a lot softer. And we got to feel some different alpaca hair and see its uses too. It was pretty informational. Yeah. So if you're in Temecula, we highly recommend swinging by the old alpaca hacienda. Mm -hmm. Make an appointment online. You can book it online and everything. It's a super fun way to kind of get into that next beer tour thing you're about to do. Yeah. I guess. See some alpacas before drinking some some brews, <laughs> some booze and some brews. But I think that was it for the alpaca hacienda. And then it was lunchtime. We were so starving. We were starving. It was like we were beyond hungry. I was going to eat an alpaca. And that's the problem. Temecula has so many good places to have uh, food, dinner, lunch, what breakfast. Every, oh, my God. But it yeah. was lunchtime. And we we're it's kind of torn when we go to Temecula. Because like I said, the food is so good. Mm -hmm. But we were on the mission. We were on a mission for beer. And so we were thinking, how can we knock out beer and food? Why not do food at a brewery? Yeah. Um, typically... 
you either have the whole like Carl Strauss thing or the Ballast Point. Like it's more of a restaurant style brewery. We were looking for more of a brewery. Gordon Beers for those on the East Coast, maybe. Yeah. Or BJ's. Yeah. But we were looking for more of a brewery that had beer. Mm -hmm. Or Um, that had food. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We need a brewery that has beer too. We were looking for a brewery that had food, but we, I don't think we were feeling a food truck. No, a lot of, all the breweries have food trucks out there pretty much, which is pretty cool, but I didn't really want that. Yeah. So we settled on, or not settled, but we chose to do Mm 8-Bit. 8-Bit's pretty well known for their food, Um, their beers. Their celery ketchup. Yeah, there's celery ketchup, which you don't like. I don't. It's so weird. Everyone loves their ketchup and I can't get with it. But they have house ketchup for those. For those of you who are like me, I know I'm not alone, but Ryan and everyone else loves it. They have really good burgers. Yeah, but I would say they do like the gourmet Mm -hmm. food Mm -hmm. with really good beer. Um, They're one of the I would say they're one of the more popular breweries in Temecula. They do the whole marketing thing correct, I would say. They they know how to engage with the newer audience and people who are interested in beer and exploring and adventuring new beers. They do it really well, and their environment's pretty cool. It's really cool. They have the inside, which is kind of small at first, but they have a whole second half. They can open up when it gets really busy, and then they have this huge outdoor patio. So they're really encouraging getting outside and just kind of drinking some good beer and hanging out. Yeah, and it's really cool to see where they've come from. From a few years ago. So when we were living in Temecula, we went to Apen a few times and they didn't really have the outdoor area like it is today. And now they have fire features and just really cool artwork and all kinds of different type of materials and just different. Yeah. It's more commercialized and you can tell that either they had investors come in and help out or they're just doing really, really well because they've grown their style. Mm-hmm. They've grown quickly. their taste room, their brews, everything. Yeah. But after 8-Bit, mm-hmm. we, that was just a quick little stop. We went in. I think we only had a taster. Yeah, uh, we, we did a flight. flight. We shared a flight. And it was pretty quick. Had our uh, lunch. And then we headed off to Inland Wharf because we had an appointment with Rob, who's the owner mm-hmm. of Inland Wharf. Commander Durant. Commander Durant. And so this is kind of a fun fact. I may have told you guys this. Maybe not. Um, I like Inland Wharf because it's a Navy. It's kind of a Navy brewery. Mm-hmm. And I was in the Navy. I did the Navy thing for 10 years before I got out, went back to school and got my degree in operation supply chain management and did all that stuff. Um, so when I go to Inland Wharf, it kind of makes me feel comfortable. It just feels familiar to me. Yeah. So I, I kind of like going to Inland Wharf. And and a lot of people there are vets, too. Not mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not like the only people go there there are vets, but most of the time, especially people in their mug club, they're veterans. So it's kind of cool to go back. And I feel like you connect a lot over your old war stories and stuff. I don't think we told any war stories. I feel like y'all did. Maybe not war stories, but you definitely talked about your time on the boats and different stuff like that. Well, I think I walk in there and just get it. You know, I yeah. see the different flags. I see the challenge coins. I see the plaques. I see the name of some of the beers are kind of Navy inspired. And and so it just, it all clicks. I, I know what everything is. Yeah. As to where... A typical civilian might walk in and they're like, this has got the Navy thing going on. I don't really understand much of it. But me, I understand every single thing I'm looking at. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what that's from. I know where that's from. I know where they got that idea from. And you probably know, too, because you were with me doing the Navy thing for nine nine, out of ten years. So you didn't get any Navy time by yourself. (laughs) No, that first year, that was a little wild. But anyway. 
Inland Wharf is a super cool place. And then we were on a mission to learn about, well, well, it's funny because we went there to learn about the cask because we found, we thought they're one of the few breweries that are doing the cask and the keg thing. Um, when they first started out, when we were living in Temecula, they were doing, they were trying to do the pairing. So what they would do is they would, you know, get the beer in the fermentation process and when it's time to throw it into the keg, they would do half of it in the keg and then they would do half in the cask. And so then once those were done with their um, secondary fermentation in the keg or cask, then they would put it on the uh, draft and then you could do a tasting. So you can do a tasting of that cask in the keg with the same style beer. And it's pretty cool. For those of you who don't know, cask is a super old English traditional way of making beer. If you want some more details, we actually have uh, some footage of the cask and Rob talking through it on a YouTube video. So check that out. Uh, the Cellar District, it's up already. So feel free to look there. But it's just a very old way of making beer. But the beer is served at, what, 52 degrees Fahrenheit? I don't remember. It's like 10. De- I think it's I believe it's 10 degrees warmer. The cask is like 10 degrees warmer than what the uh, keg is served at. Right. So it, it's not a warm beer, obviously, but it's warmer than you would normally drink your beer. Yeah. And I, what I found interesting was I didn't realize that cask beer actually has a shorter lifespan than keg beer. Yeah. It's only good for like a two weeks max if you introduce a little bit of um, CO2 to the process. But if you don't, it's like three days or something it because it's naturally it. carbonated. Mm-hmm. So it can go bad quick. So pretty cool process. I was kind of sad to hear that he's starting to go away from that because his customers are looking more for cold beer. They just want the cold beer. And so he's going to throttle back a little bit from the cask. He's not going to stop it um, because there's not a lot of people who do cask, especially here in California. Everyone does the carbonated thing or the keg thing. And he had a good point. I mean, Intimacula can get pretty hot. There's no beaches or anything around. So, I mean, it's easily... In over a hundred all summer, practically. So I think for him, kind of having that warmer beer, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, but if you're also looking for one of the best deals in town, their mug club is insane. It's really insane. You get a I don't I don't know how big the mug is, but it's obviously humongous. I think it's like a twenty two. I think it's bigger than that. I don't know. But it's a custom mug, so it's actually got your name engraved in it. So you know, Caitlin S. And then you get that mug each time you come for the price of a 16 ounce pour. So again, we don't know how big it is. It's 22 or bigger. So it's a really good deal. And the fact you get a cool mug. And again, if you want to see the mug, you can check out our video. I'm sure we'll probably post a picture on Instagram at some point too, but it's really fancy. It's, it's very personal and it helps them remember you each time because each time you come in, you're getting your mug. And so you really start to build that relationship and everyone who works there is awesome. They've been nothing but good to us. Yeah. And I think that's it. We just talked to Rob about his mug club, which has over like 300 members or something in it now. We got a little information on the cast process, got to, you know, feel out the environment. And then we moved on to Refuge, which there we didn't get to meet with the owners, but we got to meet with the head brewer, Dan. Yeah. So Dan's super cool. Oh, he's so cool. I mean, Refuge has come a long way too. I just oh remember God. when they were kind of the brewery next to Ween's. Um, I don't think we hardly ever went to Refuge. We didn't at first. We were diehard Weens people for yeah. a long time. And, and we still are, really. And now when people say Refuge, I think of one of the biggest breweries in Temecula. You know, they've really come quite a long way. 
And I think a lot of it has to do with their marketing and their events. I think their events push it a long way. We talked today a little about the events too, but you can go there and do things you don't normally get to do. Uh, they have glass blowing really frequently. There was something else at it one time. It was like a painting. spa day. Well, paintings, I would say kind of common, yeah. but it was like a spa day or a meeting with someone, some health nutritional person over beer at one point there that I really wanted to go to and I didn't make. And one of the most exciting things about Refuge was learning more about SS Brewtech. And Dan delivered on giving you more information on that. Yeah, he did. Well, here's the thing. If you're a brewer or let's say you're a brewer that you want to take it to kind of a semi-professional homebrew level. SS Brewtech, you kind of know what it is. Because if you Googled anything about buying equipment for homebrewing, SS Brewtech always comes up. It's pretty affordable. And their setup is always super professional looking. Mm -hmm. And then you see it on a huge scale, just a gigantic scale at this brewery. And you're like, wait a minute, are they like the same? Do they use their equipment? Like what is going on here? Like what what's what is all this? Well, they're the innovators behind it, right? Like the owners, the owners got a partner and together, or one of the owners, I should say, got a partner and together they created the SS Brewtech, right? Mm -hmm. And it's basically a line. And he, he says it perfectly in the YouTube video. I can't remember exactly how he says it, but it is a homebrew slash professional brew line of equipment made by people who brew beer and mm -hmm. do it really, really well because Refuge has award winning beers. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, most of you probably know if you or if you're not really into following beer, you're more into the wine thing. They're um, Blood Orange Wit. Yeah. Blood Orange Wit is everywhere. That's their that's their big boy. And you can tell because they have these giant uh, fermenting tanks and they're housed solely for that one beer. I like three, like of, three them. of them. Yeah, it was so crazy. We took some Blood Orange Wit home and I think that was the first beer to get finished out. <laughs> Yeah, by me, and it's super popular everywhere down here in uh, Southern California. So and they partner with Stone on one too. They're really big on partnering with other breweries. They are, yeah. So they do really well in just incorporating like different breweries, working with like local um, places for their coffee beans and stuff like that, local roasters. So I like how much they partner with just different companies. Again, it goes into their events too. They're always bringing in someone else, and I think it creates a good sense of like community. Yeah. And another thing I really like about Refuge is they really care about teaching people and bringing people in and teaching them about beer in the right. process. Like their Dan's ability to just bring us back, you know, put goggles on us and just walk us around in the brewery and talk about all the different things and different beers they have going on. It would almost seem like they do it on such a regular basis. And they really enjoy doing it. It's like one of their missions is to teach people about the beer making process. Yeah, Dan was awesome. And Rob was too. Dan really took time to kind of take a step back and tell us like why they're passionate about it. Some of the things in the pipeline. We mentioned the Great American Beer Fest, which is coming up. And, you know, Dan's going to be there. So we'll have to reach out to him at that point. But they have a, a couple of uh, beers they're submitting for that for judging. So all in all. I mean, really just stellar place, good atmosphere, good environment. And Inland Wharf and Refuge are so different in environments, but I appreciate them so much the same. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're I feel like home places. at both. Yeah. But it's almost like you and your best friend have completely different styles, but yet you're comfortable at their house and they're comfortable at your house, even though y'all would never decorate the same. Yeah. And that's what's cool about Temecula is 
they're all so completely different. You don't get like, we just went down to LA not too long ago. And, well, yesterday. Yeah. And you walk into each brewery and they're a little bit different, but on the surface, they all kind of feel the same. Mm-hmm. You walk into a Temecula brewery, there's not like that. Every no. single one has their own thing going on. And, and a lot of times the owner or the head brewer or someone is there. Every time I walk into Weens, we usually see Brandon, maybe Nicole. Like they're always there. Yeah, very personal. Yeah, it comes from, I think, that sense of passion. and just want to be around. Yeah. But after we went to Refuge uh, or after we were finished with Refuge, then we went to finish up at Weens. We didn't film that. Though. No, that was really just to pop in, say hey to our fam, you know? Yeah, because... What we noticed, and we kind of, I think we talked about this before, is when we go on these film, you know, we go on these film tours or trips or travel adventures. That's Mm -hmm. what they are. They're travel adventures. We kind of need some time to relax because it's long days. We're filming. We're interviewing people. You're not antisocial, but I'm a little bit on the antisocial side. So when I start talking to a lot of people, it gets me kind of exhausted. And yeah. I just need some decompression. So there's no better way to do that than go to Ween's, mm-hmm. have some good beer. They always, well, they almost always have my coffee porter. Both coffee of us. Style. Coffee style. Coffee style. Get roasted. Yep. Get roasted. They usually have both of our favorites in most cases. And if not, they have something really good too. They also let their bartenders help make beer. So they each get like a signature beer where they get to work with the brewer to kind of make something. So I love to come in and be like, Ooh, what's your beer? And then they'll tell you like, oh, my beer is coming. Like drink, drink Mel's beer right now. But my beer is coming up and like should be ready in two weeks. So I don't know. It's it again. It just feels like home in a very different way. Yeah, but we kind of ended our night there. And we did. that was our Temecula beer adventure. That was our Temecula beer adventure. It's it always a fun. fun adventure. Always fun going to Temecula. It is. Although when we're done with the day, I feel like it's time to go home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that all the time. We have a lot of fun on these, but it's a lot of work. And I know... On each of these adventures, we're obviously drinking, but we're not at the same time. Like we're trying to remember what beer tastes like, what wine tastes like and understand like the different processes and take in the environment. But it's very business minded. We're not there to enjoy the beer, I guess. We're there to understand a lot of piece of it and then understand what we like about it. Which is kind of funny because we kind of lost a little bit of control over the intake of beer in Temecula. because. Oh, yeah. Rob. Sometimes. So when we go, <laughs> we told you this before, we just get usually one taster. We kind of talk about it a little bit. We kind and of that absorb taster's over the, a couple hours, too. Yeah. We absorb the environment, get good B-roll, get good footage, get a good story, the story that we had planned. But on this one, because we had started our new style, which is interviewing the beer makers and the owners, they were just like, oh, you got to try this. You got to try this. You got to try this. And we're like, oh, and then you poured your own I cast. got to pour my first pint. You poured your first pint, not even thinking that someone was going to have to drink that pint. I, that didn't bother. I didn't care. It was my first time pouring off a cask. And it takes some muscle, guys. You got to put some like oomph behind it. It's not just going to like let you pour it. Yeah. So the cast, they're actually harder to pump because mm-hmm. um, just the pumping the way not, you do it, it's not, yeah, there's no CO2, there's no pressure behind it. Uh-huh. So it's almost like you have to create the pressure for it to come out. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot harder than if you were just to pull a regular draft. Yeah. And I think I came up like what a couple, what a centimeter or so short. Yeah. And you had no head on it. Gotta have the head, man. Yeah. Done. 
But no, we didn't think about that. And then as we were like wrapping up, we had to go meet Dan and Rob and Dan know each other. They all know each other. It's a small community. I'm like, all right, we got to go meet Dan. We told him we'd be there at like three or something. He's like, we haven't even tried like the sour. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it was a good sour. And I'm not with sours. I don't want anything too tart. I, I, you know, I like kind of a mild sour and this was a really good sour. I was very pleased. But then we get to uh, refuge and Dan's like, well, you know, let me get what you guys, guys want to drink. I'm like, I can't drink yet. <laughs> I'm like, I need two hands to hold the gimbal. This is true. But it was a lot of fun. And then even as we were heading out, we, you know, we're tasting because we always want to taste some because between this, the YouTube video, there's still the blog that's coming in the, in the next month, as well as Instagram. So the more we try, the more material we have to talk about. And we want each platform to offer something a little different. So I think the blog's going to be where those details are coming in, where we really review everything. I think we're all curious what's next. Well, what's next is Santa Inez, which is also very special to me. I'm not even going to give you guys a sneak peek. You guys are just going to have to wait till next week and check it out. But I'm pretty stoked. And then after that, it's really season two trailer time. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. So mapping out what season two looks like, it's going to really take on just more information, more interview style, but also kind of vloggy and fun. We don't want to miss the music or anything like that. And then just see where the world propels us. Yeah. Website as well. We're going to have a mm -hmm. website launched. Um, hopefully the plan is May 1st. Mm -hmm. We have some help. We have an illustrator kind of revamping our brand. And then after that, we're going to start the build out of the website and we're going to start that idea of building a marketplace, get the licensing to be able to sell beer and wine online and take you guys on that journey. I think that's real the where the entrepreneurial journey is going to start mm -hmm. with us. And that's sure. where you guys are going to be able to learn a lot about our struggles and the things we went through, especially in a super heavily regulated industry like alcohol or beer and wine. We're not doing like spirits and all that crazy stuff we're just not into that no. but it's gonna be interesting it is gonna be interesting so hang with us and so be sure to check out our instagram and youtube at the seller district we post photos daily and videos go up every sunday we'll chat with you guys next week cheers cheers glass of wine with dinner just a glass or two to relax